They're continuing to load in well here for this big group one event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late, it's English a half length in front, can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying, yes! And excellent, but McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go, excellent runs to second, Otazun runs on, but a champion becomes a legend, McCarty Diva has won it! G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast, joined each week by myself, Lewis Willoughby. And uh, my partner in crime, New South Wales form analyst, tips up for the barrier attendant, Dean Watling, back for episode five of the Clarks of the Course pod. Big episode coming up today. No interview, no interview punters. So if you're uh, expecting an interview because you don't want to listen to Dean and I dribble on for the next hour, I'm very sorry, but there isn't one coming. But in saying that, there is a massive, massive episode coming next week with some really special interviewees. Uh, we've got Group 1 racing in both states this weekend. Randwick, Group 1, George Main Stakes Day. Caulfield, Group 1, Sir Rupert Clark Stakes. Uh, and Dean and I are going to be doing full uh, runner analysis of the Group 1s in both our states. Get Out Stakes Challenge, Group 1 Challenge, which, as I throw to you, Dino, may I say, mate, you absolutely couldn't have got it more right last week in the Group 1 Challenge. Uh, with the Quinella and the winning bet. How are you? Tell us a bit about how you were feeling after that Group 1 challenge bet. Yeah, it was a nice uh, feeling. Welcome to all the listeners again. Um, only thing I wish I did was back the Quinella myself. I did not do that. Um, it was a great result. Fierce Impact, what a war horse. Uh, I think I backed him every one of his Group 1 starts, and I think he started over five bucks in all of them nearly. Um, it was a great week in racing. I thought Ramwick played uh, – sorry, Rose Hill played great. Um, Melbourne as well, had a few bets down there. Um, was, I think we spoke on the day. It was a bit of a tricky day early. I think a lot of us wanted to put our form away and go back to bed, but mm. it evened out very nicely. And I think the last four races, I think a lot of people got themselves out of trouble. But how would you fit in the weekend, mate? Well, I think I sent you a message that day at about 1.30 and, and, and declared it the worst punting day I've ever had in history. I said, remember this date in history as the worst punting day I've ever had in history. Look. As uh, in as far as my tips go, uh, not great. In fact, probably in the worst form I've been in in my life at the moment. So, please, punters and, and listeners, if you want to tune out for my uh, preview of of Caulfield coming up, I don't blame you at all. But I did go all right uh, on the punt uh, back last Saturday. Just kind of got myself out in a few different areas, as you do. You go chasing in Brisbane, and you go chasing in the West. Uh, you know, you, you find. McGrady or someone riding in the West, Parnham, and it, it, he helps you out a bit. But, uh, yeah, as for my tips last week, no, no good. Terrible, terrible. You tipped up Hortbury on hair uh, at Rose Hill. That was a huge win first up. What do you think of its run? Yeah, interesting fact before the race, I think Wallard won that race uh, three times in the last 10 years. All we first up runners, he's probably not known for a trainer that produces them first up. But her run was absolutely outstanding. You look at the section of the day, she, I think she nearly went or went – Faster than 
Farnham. Um, so had to do a lot of work early. That was the clue for mine. That was sort of the um, the difference between being very keen um, and sort of just keen, the barrier, 14. Um, I think early stages you would have been a little bit worried, but she kept kicking, kicked all the way and won pretty well. So I think onwards and upwards with her. I think a record states, I don't think she's missed a place in any of her starts. Um, so, no, nah, cracking wing by her. Um, it sets up for a nice campaign, possible Everest as well. Yeah, really exciting campaign, I think, for her going forward. Now, you mentioned uh, Farnan there, and I'll get to that in a second because this is this is some breaking news uh, right as we've come to air here, as it were, uh, and we, we can't really touch on it because we don't know all the story yet, but there's some news regarding Farnan. Now, quickly, before I get there, beer of choice uh, this this, this Thursday, I know a lot of people tune in only for this little part of the topic, so it's always a good one. What's your Bev? Um, my Bev this week is the Cooper's Brewery XPA, the purple can. I've got to give a shout-out to another mate of mine. He goes by the nickname of Beer Pig at work, so I thought uh, there's no better bloke to ask what beer I should try this week. Um, so I've gone with the Cooper's Brewery XPA. Very nice drop, a little bit fruity, but a nice beer. Um where have you taken us? Are we going extravagant this week or are we sticking local? Mate, the purple can, I like that too. I can see you drinking it there in the corner. It's a good-looking can, enticing little number. Yeah, look, I unfortunately, as strapped for time as I was today, I've, I've had to go in and, and dive into the fridge and pull a, pull a beer out of nowhere, as it were. I wasn't able to get to the bottle shop and um, look around and make some selections. I've gone for the Stella. Belgian beer, very well known in the UK, maybe for the right or wrong reasons. I won't elaborate on that. You can do your own research on why it's infamous in, in London. But, yeah, gone for a Stella. Look, somewhat forgotten beer. You know, it's a good it's a good race day beer. This is a good out at the track, sipping back on a few Stellas, I reckon. Well, at least if you're in uh, members at Randwick anyway, as, as I am. <laughs> There's no plastic cups here, mate. There's only Stella bottles. This is it. So I've pulled one of them out. Um, not too bad. One point three standards gets the job done. It'll get the job done for tonight anyway. Now back to the Farnan news. Hugh Bowman. It's just come out in the past half an hour or so as we record. Uh, Twenty day suspension for his ride on Farnan. So many differing opinions on this. I uh, I don't really know how far we can go here. But what have you seen it? What did you think of of the suspension? Are you surprised? Yeah, I think I'm very surprised. Um, <clears throat> I think if, if you took it on face value uh, just after the run last week, you probably were a bit surprised of his tactics. But I think a lot of punters and a lot of um, old heads knew that Gay Waterhouse, Adrian Bott trained horse, um, who led them up in a slipper and won that way. They were always going to go forward. They probably didn't anticipate uh, Rothfire to jump so well. Um, but you break the race down, he didn't go that quick, in fact. Um, the horse, like we mentioned before, Herper on her, went similar sectionals and kicked on to win. Um, one, uh, a quick way I'll sum it up, and this is the way I've been talking to a lot of people about, I'd much prefer a jockey to be positive on a horse uh, like Huey was on Farnham, uh, get, get, get tired the last 100 metres and go down by three lengths rather than ridden negative, given no chance, flash home to lose by three lengths. Uh, I think... They're, they're pretty much identical runs. Uh, it just one looks better than the other. So I think it's an absolute uh, – I can't believe that he's got um, 20 days suspension for that. I think – I don't know where stewards go from here. You always see uh, – there's a fair bit of rides like this probably that go, don't go under the microscope because they're not quality races, but um, I'm not sure where they go from here, stewards. It sets a bad yeah, incident. 
wouldn't you think? It sets a, it sets a bad precedence for rides like this in the future where they're positive and they, and they might go quick in front. In the end of the day, it's just a, a, a tactic and a fact of racing. You can go quick in front. You can go slow out the back. You know, it, I, I, I'm shocked. I'm honestly shocked. I didn't think we'd be seeing any more to come right. from uh, the Farnham ride. And now uh, Hugh Bowman's spring campaign, an important part of his spring campaign, is in jeopardy from this 20-day suspension. I assume he, uh, not protests, not the right, uh, you know, has on pro, what's the word I'm looking appeals? for? Yeah, yeah, appeals, appeals. I'm assuming he appeals. Surely, like you shouldn't be. I don't think you should be sanctioned or uh, <coughs> sort of reprimanded for trying something in a race where they're the, going slow. You can sort of take up the lead and make that sort of first move. Or he's made a mistake there. I don't think he deserves to be suspended for a mistake. That sort of. I don't think it's any riders cost the horse at all. Um, you break it down. I think the horse is just not strong enough on the day. And I think he's a victim of that circumstance of the horse not being strong enough. So I think we're both agreeing that's a bit, a bit or probably very harsh. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see in the next few days what happens there with the uh, Hugh Bowman and Farnan. Now some other quick news before we got into actual topic. We'll get there in a second. I swear. This is a little quick tidbit. Official horse of the podcast shows some decorum. He's back in work. He's back in work. Quick shout out to Gitz and Belzy and Costi are also in it with me. Uh, he's back. He's looking good. Two trial, two jump out. Sorry, uh, they've decided to let him lead. He's looking thick behind. He's looking like he's put on some muscle. Um, big, uh, big little sneaky spring campaign coming up here. End of spring, maybe target some uh, some Saturday class races in town. I think he's got the ability. Uh, and then obviously next year onto the Everest. Anyone looking for a horse <laughs> for a slot? Don't be, uh, don't be, don't be quiet. Hitting us up, please. Uh, let us know if you'd like to get the goat from Anthony Friedman's camp. Show some decorum in. Now, speaking of uh, spring coming up, it came out today uh, a big list of, of of European and UK imports coming in uh, for the Cups, mainly obviously the Melbourne Cup. And I thought this would be a good uh, little kickoff point to talk about. There's a list uh, that we've got in front of us here of about 29 horses. Uh, I've circled a few key ones here. Obviously, I'm uh, not... Uh, the be-all and end-all of, of European and, and overseas racing. So I can't tell you all of the horses and what they're doing, but there's a few obvious names here that are coming in. And I think this also has a big uh, impact on on uh, the markets for these big races and, and the way that they'll pan out. So a few quick ones I can rattle off here from this list. Uh, Anthony Van Dyke for Aidan O'Brien. Obviously, Aidan O'Brien got a big team here. Magic Wand. Tiger Moth, who's just kind of burst onto the scene now in the market. Santiago, uh, Master of Reality, Joseph O'Brien's horse, Twilight Payment. Uh, then, obviously, Dashing Willoughby, we knew he was coming across. Prince of Aaron comes across. Sir Dragonet. There's a few there. Uh, was there any on that list that stood out really for you and that, that you'd be keen to see uh, go around? Um, definitely the uh, Aidan O'Brien trained, the one at the top, Anthony Van Dyke. I think... It was a bit of a, uh, a shot in the dark to sort of the horse to come out here. I don't think many people actually thought it would come out here. It's got the top weight in the Melbourne Cup at the moment, um, but O'Brien has been on the socials saying that he's happy to send it out and target. I think it's a Caulfield Cup, uh, Melbourne Cup double. I think that's a significant one. I think for a year that we thought uh, it's going to be a local Melbourne Cup, I think we could have the biggest presence ever. Um, another couple that stand out. Definitely Prince of Iran's back. Um, 
true self, another one that stands out. But I'm similar to you. I sort of I like to wait to see how they come to Australia. I think a lot of people like to get on the spruik, getting these future markets big odds. I don't think that's one of the strengths of mine. Um, but there's always a, a lot of a lot of uh, noise around. Another one probably that I could mention is Skyward to the Busted and Young stable. I think it beat home. Uh, was it Cross County? It's last start before coming over here, if I can remember right. Um, that looks a nice horse. There's plenty of uh, plenty, plenty of nice horses there. Did any catch your eye? Yeah, I thought Tiger Moth's the one that really caught my eye. And if you look at some futures markets here, got it in front of me. Tiger Moth, eleven dollars now behind Surprise Baby and Russian Camelot. This is in the Melbourne Cup, of course. Uh, Tiger Moth's the one that really caught my eye. A big win recently. Um, and Aiden O'Brien obviously uh, is very. Uh, astute at bringing these horses over and, and getting them to run well. So he was the one that probably stood out for me. Uh, yeah, to quickly mention actually here during the week as well, so Prince of Iran uh, last year ridden by Michael Walker. They've had quite a good association together uh, and Michael Walker also has uh, a good association with, with Charlie Fellows, the trainer, has actually decided now to ride Dashing Willoughby for uh, go bloodstock. So that was a pretty big talking point in the week. Um, I'd love to know the, the the thought process behind a move like this for Michael. So obviously Prince of Aaron uh, or Iran proven out here to run well um, and, and and maybe more of a safer option. They're the same price in, in futures markets at the moment. So without doing any heavy research, I couldn't really pick one above the other apart from the fact Dashing Willoughby has a great name. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to know the thought process behind Michael Walker there opting to go on on dashing Willoughby's ride. What did you think about that move? Yeah, just quickly I'll clean that up. Skyward wasn't the horse that ran um, the beat cross counter. Sorry, it was dashing Willoughby. I knew it was one of them. Um, I think it's very interesting because I think uh, we would have heard a lot about it last year after the Cup with the protest. Um, Walker was very voice. Uh, very in the media after it, stating that he he really wants to pay back the owners, wants to do the right thing by him. I think he sort of thought that he cost the horse maybe the race, or it's, it's could have could have given it a better ride or something like that. So I thought he would have been back with vengeance this year to sort of uh, take him to the next level. So I think it has to be a huge push for Dashing Willoughby. You got a horse who's run two placings in Melbourne Cup. You're jumping off the horse to jump on something that's sort of unknown in Australia. So. I think if you're on dashing, uh, will it be in futures? I think that's got to be a huge move. And just quickly on that, I saw uh, the owner, Charlie, put up a post about it looking for a rider and uh, a lot of traction got around Rachel King putting a hand up and I thought would be a cracking opportunity for her to go down there and ride in the cup. So he might already have a, have a rider on board. Um, but, yeah, I think it has to be a big push. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I think so too. I mean – the fact that Mike Walker's obviously never uh, thrown his leg over Dashing Willoughby, um, so they're, they're, and and these riders at the top class don't take rides in this race lightly. As of course you wouldn't. You you want to fight for the best ride and the best opportunity you can get in the race because in the end of the day you're not sure uh, if you're going to get another chance in a, in a Melbourne Cup. So it's very important to choose or, or get on the best horse that you uh, that you possibly can. And and if Charlie Fellows is looking for a new rider just quietly. I can get off the schooners for a while and try and get down to 60. Um, and if it's a sit and steer job, then maybe I'd be able to <laughs> throw a leg over. What about, would you put your hand up? Yeah, I'd have to lose a couple of kegs like you. Um, 
Actually, I watched some footage on Twitter not too long ago. Oh, I think it was the track gallop of Surprise Baby with um, Craig Williams, and I was dead set, hard in the mouth stuff mm. the whole way, going, what the hell is this concept? So I think uh, punting I'll stick to, riding, no. That's it. Now, uh, another topic here, we've got Grant and Alana, Alana Williams uh, and the Bob Peters-owned uh, team obviously came over to Melbourne for the spring. Um, they, I wanted to talk about this because obviously they've got a, a strong hand in a lot of the big uh, sprinting to middle distance type races, obviously not so much the Cups per se, maybe the, the Cox Plate with Arcadia Queen if it goes there, but started off quite slow. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of horses uh, of theirs were favourites and then just recently it started to turn around a bit and then out of nowhere again, showmanship, uh, during the week, who was well in the market for the Group 1 coming up this Saturday, uh, out with a tendon in- injury. So just as their luck was kind of starting to turn around um, and they got Arcadia Queen back and a few others, uh, it, it's just gone a bit downhill. How have you seen uh, their team's spring so far? Yeah, I think very similar to what you stated there. I think there was obviously a lot of spruik and a lot of hype on their runners. I think they probably priced on hype a little bit more and I think a lot of people took them just on the phase value of how they were winning races back in WA, it's obviously a lot different over here. And I think um, if you think about them as a normal Melbourne runner, you probably uh, maybe not have backed them first up or second up purely uh, in distances that, that they weren't sort of set for or ideal for. You pr- probably just backed them purely off the, the hype of them. I think exactly what you said. I think it's just started to turn. Um, that injury to showmanship's um, devastating. I thought I had it down, penciled in as a very, um, a bit of a smoky in the Everest. I think the sectionals, I think we spoke about this sectional as the last, out of its last start were absolutely phenomenal. Um, the 1200 was always going to be the query. But as a weird injury, I, I think I read the report in the week. It was a different tendon injury. I think one tendon was bigger than the other or something similar to those lines. So hopefully the horse is all good. But we've got another one this week in Superstorm. Um, comes up in the Group 1, Sir Rupert Clark. Um, I think that's probably maybe the pick of them. Mm. Um, looking at it now, 1,100 to 1,400, I think that's a big tick. So um, I think they're sort of hitting their straps around the right times. And um, when you've got an owner... Like Bob Peters, I think that's when you want to be backing their horses around their grand finals. Um, but yeah, how, how did you sort of see Superstorm as a as a horse this weekend and the, the whole team running? Yeah, I, I thought Superstorm would have been a great. Oh, he's a great chance. I, just quickly, this is what gets me: Can Bob Peters start naming his horses something different? Superstorm, Windstorm, Showmanship, Shitstorm. I don't know what their name. <laughs> it's getting me. It gets me so confused. Someone goes, "Oh, what do you think about you know?" Showmanship, and I went, oh, yeah, Superstorm. You don't know which one it is. I got no idea. But Superstorm, yeah, good chance this weekend. Uh, it's kind of the X-Factor horse. I'll speak about this a bit later in the preview, but uh, has got those runs at the top level that would be good enough. Uh, the return over 1,100 or 1,200 it was was good. Uh, drawn wide. Uh, look, the, the, the group one this weekend at Caulfield's and a wide open race. It's a really hard one to get a gauge on, but I think um, – with any luck from wide, should be a good enough chance, I would have thought. But I, I do hope um, that their luck starts to turn around. People think that because I try and lay uh, all of Pikey's, you know, and, and Bob Peters' horses on the weekends, it doesn't mean I don't like them. I just thought they always go around uh, at, so far, the wrong distances and under the odds as well. So 
for those out there, and you know who you are, that keep potting me for bagging his rides, it's not because I don't like him. I think he's the GOAT, but I just can't get around his horses at the moment because they're not the right prices. Got a peak on the right day. Uh, moving on to some Everest new, uh, news. Just coming out sort of yesterday that Tefani has gained a spot in the Everest. Um, I think I put up a post this week and couldn't believe the price. I sort of missed this. Um, it was $36 in future markets. Um, I thought she was a cracking chance in Everest. I think a lot of people were potting me for posting that. But you got a horse who was three lengths off uh, nature strip in the TJ Smith last prep in the autumn and then beat a horse called Pierrata in that all-age stakes who went around as a $7 chance in last year's Everest. So I think the form ties ties in pretty easy. And I think a big um, sort of a query for most, probably not for mine, is the 1,400-metre ticket on her that says that's her best distance. I think you need a 1,400-metre horse or a strong 1,200-metre horse, especially in the Everest where they're going to fly. So I thought that was some exciting news. Um, smart by a year-long investment to take that. I think we're sort of getting to the stage where there's there's not that many horses left to choose um, other than these three-year-olds. But what did you make of the of Tofani uh, gaining a spot? And how did you think she went um, first up on the weekend quietly? Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good run on the weekend. I uh, had her marked. Obviously, I had Bold Star on top, who was a touch disappointing, and then I had. Zutori in front of Tefani just for the first up records. Uh, Zutori had a, had a better uh, first up record and was a winner of that race last year. But uh, Tefani's jump outs leading into that race last start was super. Like I I think he's going really well, definitely going really well. So it didn't didn't really surprise me. And I was agreeing with your post as well. Thirty six bucks uh, that looks a bit of overs. And then obviously you've got to consider that uh, last weekend Nature Street got done. So it that kind of throws a little spanner into the works as well. I mean a dollar forty or, or whatever it was and uh, obviously we can dissect the race a bit more and find out why things happened. But uh Gitra went straight past and now the the one time and probably still I haven't checked the futures markets yet, but the one time and possibly still Everest favourite is now you know, it's a bit of smoke and mirrors maybe. It's a bit more up in the air than it is. So I'm interested to see what happens. I definitely agree uh, that 1400 meters in an Everest. If you, oh, sorry, if, if your if your pet distance is 1400 meters, then you'll be suited to the Everest because it's a very very genuine 1200 meters. So you made a very good point there. And what what did you take out of that Nature Strip uh, and, and Gitra clash? Um, it's it's a strange one. I think they've never. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, uh, Gitra holds a two new advantage over Nature Strip." Um, they've met both first up times, and if you can look at um, Nature Strip's record, he never fires first up. Um, I think good luck getting past him when he's third and fourth up, rock hard fit. I think the backers of Nature Strip will be laughing. Uh, you're getting a better price now. I think it was he was in to nearly two dollars fifty before that run. Uh, pushed out to three sixty now, and I think he he should only drift uh, with horses that are coming to sort of Saturday races. Now they'll get a lot of um, airtime. Nature Strip won't as such. Um, I think if you're going to be in Huey Bowman for 20, 20 meetings, we're going out too quick. I think you need to look at the sectionals of Nature Strip and Baller Muscle in that race. And they went uh, a lot faster. Um, I think I think one of his sectionals was nearly ten oh five. I think it was possibly six to his four. 
uh, crazy speed. So he'll improve an absolute stack off that. He was fired up pre-race. Um, I'm still very keen to be on Nature Trip come Everest. Um, but, yeah, it was sort of one of those runs that the stats there, they told us and sort of I think a lot of people thought he might have turned a corner. But um, I think you can only change so much with a horse. So um, the last thing we want to talk about is horses getting sold to Hong Kong. So uh, what is your take on this? Well, just there's been some whispers, uh, you know, very well connected where he, we are here at the Clarks of the Course podcast. A few whispers going around that really talented uh, Clayton Douglas Galloper Barocca or Barosha uh, could be off to Hong Kong. Uh, I think it came out, Clayton Douglas, and said no originally and then obviously I'm assuming some offers have really increased and the owners come out and said, well, I mean, sometimes it's just stupid to turn these down. So my question to put out there to not only you, Dean, but to the to the listeners as well is, do you take the money or do you race on? So Mars Crusader and Canaan, do your own research on how much was offered, but it was a lot of money uh, and have since stayed in Australia and failed to win, uh, not even at group level yet. I'm not saying they won't, just saying that they haven't yet and you've pushed away an offer of some really big money. What's your take? Um, I think you should always take the money. I think it's easy to say, obviously, if you're not in the ownership group, but I think we saw uh, two weeks ago with a horse called Rothfire, uh, cast in the box two weeks out from his first start run. I think they got away with it very, very luckily there, and I think there was a fair bit of money offered for that horse to go to Hong Kong. Um, you just go back in history. There's so many horses that had huge, huge potential, could have been something special, but got that little injury, that little niggle. You pretty much need... Uh, you need a lot to go your way for a horse to be healthy over a long period of time. It's obviously different obviously, if you've got a, a share in the horse. I think it would be a lot harder decision. But I think if you're getting, say, for Rothfire, $10,000 purchase, you're getting offered upwards of $2, 3000000 million. I think it's um, possibly <laughs> stupid not to take the money. You know what I mean? You can probably get a lot more shares and a lot more horses um, over a longer period of time. Um, whereas if you get one injury, it's sort of all down the drain. So I know it's definitely a thing that changes if you have a share in the horse, but in my opinion, you should always sell. Um, if you look at it as a business proposition, um, always sell. What do you sort of make of it? I know there's a lot of different opinions on this. Some people hate the fact that horses get sold to Hong Kong. Others don't. What do you take of it? Always take the money, mate. Couldn't agree more. We, uh, My old man had a, had a share in a horse down in South Australia that we uh, were offered some money for Hong Kong and, and and sold it. And to us, that was like the prize money of a Group 1 in South Australia. And would it have gone on to win a Group 1 in South Australia? Who knows? It, but it's much harder to win a Group 1 in South Australia than it is to take the money that was offered to you on the table. And I can tell you that if, you know, yeah, okay, yes, it's not all about the money. I get that. And they say that if you go into racing to make money, then you're in the wrong industry. I, I get all that. Um, but I think for longevity in the industry and if someone offers you money like that, it's the equivalent of the prize money you would maybe get in terms of winning a big race. And it can buy you a lot of long lunches at Mr. Wong's in the city uh, off the winnings from the sale. So, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely in the camp of uh, always take the money. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Barocca. Obviously, another horse very well known to the podcast, Lewis, for Chris Wallacamp just got sold off. It's over there now. Um, yeah, I think stupid not to take the money. Stupid, stupid not to take the money. But best of luck to Mars Crusader and Canaan. Obviously, um, good horses, quality gallopers, but just 
you know, come on, take take the money. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. There's a big uh, Group One meeting out at Randwick this Saturday. It's the first uh, Saturday actually of our podcast that we've had. Uh, group one races in both states, as I said before, we're out at Rearwick for the George Main Stakes. Uh, it's a good four, just as we've come to record this big southerly change come through here at Coogee. Not sure if you got there, uh, you got one there, Dean, but yeah, big southerly change come through. No rain expected, um, and so the track will probably stay in a good four, I'd say. Rails on the true. How do you find the meeting? Yeah, cracking meeting. Um, I expect we'll get a good four as well. I think the hardest decision um, will be how much irrigation to put on the track. I think it was a strong northerly today um, with uh, hot winds. It was a hot day down the south coast. I think it was even meant to be forecast 30 degrees up in the city. So I expect a good four, probably improvement to a good three. You could even take on race day. Um, Cracking races. Cracking races. I think it's a perfect uh, mix between um, some nice sprinting races, middle distance, and... um, a staying race or two. Um, I found the meeting good to get through. Um, early propositions good. Plus, there's a nice race to finish out the day. So no, I found I found the meeting um, <coughs> intriguing. Well, you were up to about six a.m. this morning doing form for it. So I can only hope for your sake, let alone anyone else's, that we find a few winners. Now, you do have a tip in the Group One, and we'll get to that your full preview of that in a second. But before we do, we've got two other selections to get through here. First one comes up in race number four. Talk us through your tip. Yeah, cracking race this. The um, <clears throat> Group 2 um, tier row stakes over 1,400 metres for the Phillies. Um, obviously, horses uh, that come to mind straight away are Dane Gazelle, Hungry Heart, and Montefilia. I think we're going to be confident to stick with them three as the main hopes in this race. Uh, quick look at the map. Uh, looks like a quality tempo up front. Set by every rose, um, Angelic goes forward. I think Miss Canada from the Barry will go forward as well. So I think we're getting a genuine tempo here over the 1,400 metres. Quick couple of stats. Um, I'm a very big stats man, especially in these group races. I love to look back over, say, the last 10, 20 years and find the paths and find the horses that we want to be on. Uh, six of the last 10 winners have come through, uh, through that Furious Stakes um, two weeks ago. Five of the last 10 have been third up. Um an interesting fact, uh, six out of the ten that come through the last uh, last start was a Furious Stakes. Four out of those six um, finished first or second in the Furious before winning um, the TRO. So I think that's a key stat. Another weird stat I'll put on that too is uh, four out of the last ten winners have broke their maiden in the same prep they have won this race. So that's a very interesting stat, but I'm keen to stick through the form lines. Um through uh, two weeks ago, um, I don't think many punters would have missed it. Hungry Heart, uh, currently around that $2 mark with play up. Um, I think that is a touch overs. I've got a marked around that $1.90 price. Um, if you're looking for a 1,400-meter horse, I think this is the horse um, to sort of to get on in this race. You've obviously got Dane Gazelle, who was huge last start. But uh, going over the stats, and I'll read off a couple in a sec, um, I think she's the way to go. Um, track the map was always tricky last start. First up was always a slight query. Um, closed off outstandingly. Um, the map Saturday looks very good. Only three lengths off the lead should sit on that inside. Get a beautiful run. Fast tempo, like I mentioned before. Huge improvement second ups. One at second up and and show that in two year old um, prep. Fourteen hundred meters. Yes. Uh, quickest last six hundred of the race there. Um, 
in the Furious Stakes. I think the key point you want to mention is uh, she hit a bit of a flat spot over the 1,200 metre. Um, her six to the four is actually the slowest of the field, which is very, if you look at the race on face value, I think it's very um, sort of not many people to pick that. Tells you she wants 1,400. Her last 400 and last 200 were the quickest of the race by far. J-Max is closer from barrier three. Um, very, very, very keen to back her. No knock on um, Dan Gazelle, sat three wide. Got in a lovely rhythm there, and I think that's a, probably a fact that uh, a lot of people will see a horse sit three wide and go, oh, big, big, like uh, huge merit on that run, three wide, no cover. But um, Tommy got her in a beautiful rhythm. Um, I just think the 1,400 metres might see her out. I think there's one down the bottom I want to make mention of. Don't think it's the worst $151 shot that I've ever seen. That horse is um, True Faith. I'm pretty sure the name of the horse is. Comes out of a maiden at Newcastle. Don't think that's the worst roughy, but very, very keen to be on Hungry Heart here um, come Saturday. Well, True Faith might be worth a few shekels down the bottom there. That's a huge <laughs> little push. $101 currently with play up. Probably get uh, close to that on the tote come race day. But sticking with Hungry Heart here in race four, moving on to race seven. Now, this is one of my uh, personal favourite horses that you've tipped here. And obviously, I don't do much Sydney stuff anymore. So I'm not, I didn't know it was actually racing until you sent me your tips. I'm really keen why uh, to hear why you've got her on, t- uh, on top. So take it away, race seven. What's your thoughts? Yeah, race seven is the group to the shorts over the 1,100 metres. <clears throat> cracking race. Uh, I think there's plenty of horses here that probably will be earmarked for the Everest um, pending big performances. The first one off the top that I will make mention of is I'm um, slightly against at the distance is Catalyst. Come up very, very short in this race. Uh, 750 probably wouldn't say short, um, but for the distance, uh, I think he's a flat out 1,400, 1,600 metre horse. So... I'm keen to be against him. The horse I want to be with and at a beautiful price. Currently around that $5 mark, he's classic legend. Um, the barrier, barrier 10, when the rail's back in the true at Ramwick, um, it's always a positive uh, for mine, for horses that draw uh, wider. Uh, definitely think it's not an advantage and can almost put it down as a disadvantage when the rail's true to draw close in. So barrier 10 looks to get a beautiful ride um, in behind a fast tempo, probably sits the 1-1, one, one. Um, if not probably three pairs back, uh, one off the fence in behind horses like Splintex and Eduardo. Um, you go over his form, um, he probably should have finished a little way, way closer in that Everest last year, um, extremely unlucky. Um, 2.5, 2.5 lengths off, yes, 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 in that Everest. Um Nice trial at Newcastle, 800 metres. Asked to close off that trial. I think um, that's what we want to see leading into Saturday. Should be fit. 1,100 metre record, three starts for two wins and a first. I think he is 1,100 metre horse. I think that might be his pet trip. 1,200 metres definitely runs it out. Definitely suited over it. But I think 1,100 metres can be his best trip. The only slight query I have is the good track. He'd probably suit a little bit with the moisture out of the ground. So that's a slight query, but you're getting $5 about a horse who ran um, 2.2, 2.5 lengths off yes, yes, yes in last year's Everest and probably finish, finishes a lot closer in that. 1,100 metres pet trip, getting $5 about the horse. Um, I think if we saw this horse race before the shorts, um, I think he starts a lot 
lot shorter in that race. A few I'll make mention of. Dirty work, cracking first up run. Um, closed beautifully off that hot tempo. That's a slight query. Will he get the same tempo? Catalyst, definitely follow. 1,100 metres trial back at home was very good, but just a query at the distance. Grey Worm, um, big improver this prep. Um, four starts for three wins first up. And the one that's probably um, the biggest danger to seek, I think you stand out, boasts a two from two first up record and a three from three record over 1,100 metres. J-Mac jumps aboard, four from six on good track. That's the big danger. But at $5, I'm very keen to back Classique Legend on Saturday. So with Classique Legend here, the, probably the best backed early in this market have been standout and dirty work, which you mentioned. I want to get your quick thoughts on Eduardo, who's two from two since coming down to Sydney with Joey Pride. Uh, tick over trial in between at Randwick was good winning by one length. Um, do you think in the same classes as Classique can stand out in dirty work? Definitely gets his chance Saturday. Um, like you said, third up now. Um, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, third up now, sorry, in Sydney. Has had that trial, so rock hard fit uh, from Barry Nine. Couldn't have a better front running jockey than Nash aboard. Can probably sit in that um, just off the leaders. I think you definitely uh, mark ball of muscle to go forward and lead them up. So can probably sit outside the ball of muscle. That's probably the slight query. You've got horses like ball of muscle, grey worm, splintex all going forward. So there's going to be a lot of pressure up on front. But in saying that, he's a rock hard fit horse who laps up the pressure. A big note there too. I think there was a $10,000 bet at around that uh, $36 mark, was it, in the Everest? So someone keen. Um, he could possibly be a forgotten horse. Um, obviously, he doesn't win like a back marker, a special turn of foot coming home and down the outside. He he leads them up, wins dominantly from the front, uh, which can sort of – a lot of partners put in their mind that it's not as good as a back marker, but you take a, a front-running horse like that any day of the week. Beautiful. So sticking with Classique Legend there in the shorts, but a few dangers. Good price, though, as you said, for around that $5 mark. Moving on to the feature race of the day, we're going to go through your full preview of the Group 1 George Main Stakes. Now, obviously, uh, three-time winner was Winks, and last year, 2019, taking out by Avilius, and that might actually lead me into your tip. You've gone for a... Backup effort on the repeat, a dual winner possibly in 2020. So talk me through your preview. Yeah, I think this is a very – I think a lot of people have this probably as a lot more runners in the field, uh, early norms than that. But we've turned out we have an absolute cracking field in my opinion. Um, I love these sort of um, – you sort of don't have any of the horses that aren't a chance in this race. You could dead set make a case for all these horses. But in saying that, I couldn't go past Avilius. I think probably a forgotten horse. Um, probably had a disappointing last prep, but go back before that was absolutely outstanding. Like you said, has won this race last year. Um, I think at the current quote, $5, uh, I think that's a stupid price. You watched last start. I've watched it three or four times. Absolutely rattles home. And I think the biggest key out of that is the sectionals that the horse that won that race won. I think it was Mr. Seawolf. Um, I'll make mention of them. Uh, between the 1400 and the 1200, 1102, 1200, 1100, uh, 1200, 1000, sorry, 1134, 1000 to the 8, 1156, um, 8 to the 6, 1169. Got it all its way out in front. And to have Billy a rattle home off that, probably made up, say, 20 lengths in the straight. 
um, to just go down third. Uh, his 400 to 200 sectional was clear um, best of the race, 10.75. That's an absolute outstanding sectional. Got tied a little bit late, late over that last 200, um, but that just brings him on here. Five, 14 starts for five wins on a good track. Um, second up, boasts a five starts for three win record, three from seven over 1,600 metres. Just at the value, um, he's going to be, say, 15 lengths closer in this run. I can even see Bowman pushing forward from that barrier. Um, looks an average tempo. You've got Dreamforce going forward. Uh, imaging probably slots in up there with Colette. Very elegant. Maybe pushes up behind Dreamforce. But at worst, um, a lot of the public maps have him say last, but last is only going to be four lengths off the lead. So I'm very, very happy to go with uh, Avilius. A quick, quick stat that I thought was very surprising last time. Uh, very elegant, and Avilius met over the 1600 was in the Chipping Norton. Uh, very elegant, went around a $21 chance then. Uh, Avilius was a $6 chance, so we've pretty much got a form reversal there on prices. Um, so if you're sort of looking for that stat, obviously very elegant's going to get over a trip this prep. Um, Avilius is a rock, you could say a fit horse now over 1600, so I can't go past the price of $5, no way. Um, I'll mention the rest of the field, a quick note on all the runners. Um, as I mentioned with the speed, uh, Dreamforce will lead them up. Um, great return, last start. Um, probably big forgive first up on that hectic tempo in the Wink Stakes. Um, dictates, can run along here if he gets the right splits and Nash can get him uh, working early. I think he can run away with it. Uh, imaging will be a much improved horse here up on the speed. I think that's where his last win when Australia was probably sits outside the Dreamforce or just a length back. Um, very elegant, absolutely no knock on the horse. Cracking, cracking run, first start wide, no cover, long sustained run. And J-Mac got her to lift over the last stages where a horse called Starless Seas loomed to win. Uh, I will mention Starless Seas. You've got to sort of think about this race in a sense that it's going to be completely different to a lot of these horses' last starts. You're not going to get that crazy tempo up in front. It's put sort of going to be either a sit or sprint or uh, sort of slow or moderate tempo. So you sort of got to take that on board as well. So that's my slight knock on Star of the Seas. It's not going to get that crazy tempo up in front. Colding, nice return last start, but um, won't get any more money this weekend. And Clot, uh, Colette, sorry, very, very disappointing last start. Was on pace and faded out, sort of didn't look to travel at all. So um, it looks a very, very interesting race. You've got four Waller horses in the race. Um, so you can sort of see how Waller's going to dictate the race. He, he does this a lot. Um, but I'm very, very happy to be with Villiers at the price. I think $5 in a group one over 1,600 metres. Go back two preps, you'd be absolutely laughing. Yeah, beautiful. Look, as you said, only seven uh, to accept is, is probably a bit light on numbers for what can be a great race, but of the seven to accept, they're all really good uh, and really competitive chances in the race. Now, just quickly, running over your three bets again for the weekend before we move to Caulfield, uh, spell them out for us one more time. Uh, race four in the group two for the Phillies, Hungry Heart, um, $2 currently. I've got a marked around that $1.80, $1.90 quote. Uh, second bet is race six, comes up in the group one, uh, Villiers, Uh Around that $5 mark, I've got him marked around $4. And race seven, um, classic legend in the shorts. Um, another one who's marked probably 
a dollar or two dollars shorter than his current quote. So they're my three bets. Race four, Hungry Heart. Race six, Avilius. And race seven, Classique Legend. Um, hopefully they get the cash. Moving on to um, probably a lot different group one compared to Sydney. You've probably got uh, 20-odd horses that you've got to get through compared to the seven. Um, we'll preview that group one race now, the Sir, Sir Rupert Clark Stakes. Um, Caulfield, rail out three metres, currently a good track. Um, how do you sort of see this race panning out early? Where Who you got as the speed runners? Um, give us a big preview on, on this group race. Yeah, this race was a dead set headache for me. As you said, huge field, um, wide open market, uh, a stack of chances. And, and I'll go through all the runners and um, it was hard not to write more on some runners because they are, you, they, they, in, well, let me say it this way. There was no runner in the field, even the ones at the, the bottom of the odds, I could really go, no, nah, definitely has no chance. There just isn't a horse. I could 100% say that about in this race. So yeah, big field. Uh, the 1,400 metre group one, I think they're going to go quick. Looks a lot of speed. I think they're going to rip along. So it's going to be a very genuinely run 1,400 metres. Be good to your mother from that barrier four uh, is going to lead. It would be suicide to try and cross. Be good to your mother. So I think outside lead dollar for dollar from barrier seven, there's going to be a three wide line, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and that will go to streets of Avalon, who uh, I, just on my map, I've got parked at the head of that three wide line. Akinar Star, Banquo, Age of Chivalry, Tagaloa, Behemoth. All these horses are not far away at all. They're all on pace runners uh, and will try and have to slot in somewhere. Back in the field, uh, Madame Rouge, Roheron, uh, and I think Superstorm might go back from Barrier 18. I just it would be it would be crazy for them to try and boot up from that wide alley and, and find a spot on speed. I don't think it's gonna happen. So uh in typical Will Pike style, and there's nothing wrong with it, but in typical Will Pike style, I expect him to restrain from the barrier. Cascadian's not the flashiest beginner. Got a better better draw today, um, but it'll be interesting to see where Cascadian sits. Yeah, so look, wide open race, really uh, quite hard to to tip a one, two, three, four kind of system. What I'll be doing is I've got all my prices for all the runners, and, and as you know, and as everyone knows, I love a good you know, 900 bet in the race strategy. So that's probably the way I'll be leaning. Uh, now going through the, I'll go through my numbers. I've gone 15 Tagaloa to beat one Behemoth, four Cascadian and five Superstorm. And I'll get to all those runners in a second as I go through them. Now one, the one Behemoth, it's third up, comes off the group one win last start at this track and trip in the group one Memsey. Uh, enjoyed a really, really good run in behind the speed that day and was way too strong. Uh, this is a different setup, a completely different setup. There's a lot of pace on here. Uh, it does map quite nicely. Again, I know that the the team were really confident going into the race before the barrier draw, and we're just hoping that uh, it drew a barrier, and it did. Uh, the 60 kilos, don't let that turn you off, punters, if, if you want to be with Behemoth. Uh, it's called Behemoth for a reason. It's an absolute monster of a horse, and it will be able to carry that 60 without a doubt. Uh, it should have every chance again. Uh, I just thought was probably its right price, maybe a touch below at the moment. But as I said, in for second, main danger, uh, proven Group 1 winner now at this track and distance. That's always a big tick. And with any luck, uh, Willow just kind of finding a passage from that on-pace position uh, can figure. The two streets of Avalon on the quick backup from a last weekend fifth in the Group 2, group two Fian. Uh, also running the Memsey was 11th beaten six lengths, not going well enough for me. The three, be good to your mother, last year's winner. 
Uh, two runs this prep actually haven't been that bad, and I've seen a few people uh, on Twitter, uh, Chris Winter, one of them, tipping tipping this horse to run a big race. Uh, also, the Racing.com team, I'm pretty sure, tipped her up tipped her up as well. Yeah, has to sustain a lot of speed here in a genuine 1,400 metres. That's my concern. Uh, the race last year was not as quickly run as this. Uh, if you can sit up on this suicide tempo and still be there in the finish, you, you're a pretty good horse, and I'm... Uh, I'm just not sure if that'd be good to your mother at the moment. The four, Cascadian, who I've got in for third. Uh, third up now, I think, is ready to peak. Just gave them way too much of a start uh, in the Group 1 Memsey last start. Got packed the last, ran the best closing sectionals of the race, the fastest last, 800, 600, 400, 200. Uh, I would have liked to see it at a mile now, but I guess you've just got to have a crack at the Group 1 while you're here. It's going to be helped by this frantic speed in front. Carries two kilos, gets a two kilo, sorry, weight swing on Behemoth from last start. Uh, it's going to get home strongly again. It's just whether it can pick them all up in time. Not stepping up in trip was my uh, slight concern. The five Superstorm, I've got it in for fourth. Second up here, we mentioned it earlier in the pod. Comes out to fourteen hundred. I think is going to really suit. It was a nice return uh, over the eleven hundred meters in the Group Three, the Heath. Uh, it was just pure the fact that the 1,100 metres is not its trip. Group 1 placed last prep in the Australian Guineas. It's got that X factor in this race, I think. Uh, it's going to be better again, probably third up to a mile. So that'll be next start. I think they'd go third up to a mile. Um, but it's it's not without its chancy at all. It'll be in a three-wide line back in the field. Uh, it's placed twice second up. It drops in weight from last start too. Uh, same kind of story with Cascadian. Going to be working home very strongly off a good tempo, it's just going to have to give them a start and be able to pick them up. But I'll tell you that if Cascadian and Superstorm win, then I'll be winning in the race as well. Dollar for dollar, uh, it's third up. It had a long spell uh, before it returned. It was sound last start in the Group 2, Bobby Lewis. I think out to 1,400 metres will suit. Uh, Its best form, dollar for dollar, can be really competitive. And like Be Good to Your Mother, I've seen a few good judges tipping it up as well. A genuine kind of stand that I take is against Team McAvoy. I'm not really... Uh, a big fan of backing any of their runners and stats will prove that they don't have a great ROI. Um, so I'm happy to take a stand against Team McAvoy. Madame Rouge, I saw you, uh, Dino Akeen, the seven. Very unlucky last start, ran sixth in the Group 3 Cockrum here at Caulfield over 1,200 metres. Only got clear maybe the last 180 metres, hit the line really strong. It's terribly weighted. It is, it is terribly, terribly weighted. 56 kilos from barrier 20. Uh, you go back through the form and you go, well, what what was the really good race that Madame Rouge won that gave her this weight? And there isn't one. Carried 51 kilos in a Stradbroke uh, and had every chance and now has to rise five kegs up to 56 in this group one. Stats at the 1,400 metres aren't great. Six starts for two placings and uh, her second up record, four starts for one win is okay. I just thought couldn't be with her at the weight, had her marked much longer. The eight Mandela effect, uh, only okay last start fresh at Mooney Valley in a listed event. Needs easier, but we'll get a nice run from barrier two. Uh, who are we on to there? The nine, Reykjavik, was good in handicap level this uh, at this track and trip last start. Just been really well placed through the winter. I don't think it's a group one horse. Uh, any betting that comes for this stable, I respect. And that's the same for Akinar Star, who's the stable mate, the 10. Wasn't uh, any match fresh last start at Mooney Valley. Second up record's good. Perth form actually is not far off these. Brings its Perth form um, and, and could be competitive, but just needs to find, I think, on current form. Again, betting. Watch the betting with uh, 
with with this stable um, and and make a move accordingly. The eleven Age of Chivalry tipped the last start when uh, Pikey beat her at the Valley. Going back and looking at the race, don't think was suited by the slow tempo. Um, not a sit and sprint horse. Does its best work, Age of Chivalry, when they go along. Uh, and it can kind of grind away through the line. It, it just doesn't have that sharpness of a turn of foot uh, to be able to pick them up and win like what happened last start at the Valley. Drops four and a half kilos coming into this run, is twice group one placed, and now will get that uh, racing pattern that it needs to be at its best. Uh, when you look back at stats of this race previously last year, finished behind Be Good to Your Mother, uh, and and realistically had every possible chance that day to win, but couldn't. Um, and 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 be good to your mother goes around a big price here, and Age of Chivalry is quite short. So I'm not sure there should be such a big difference between those two runners in the market uh, to begin with. It does have good stats at the distance, uh, track and trip, three starts for two wins and a placing. It'll be in that three wide with cover line quite close to the speed, I think, from Barrier 13. They've got to be positive and try and push up and find a spot. Um, I just, uh, for me, the price was the issue. It should be closer to be good to your mother seeing what happened here last year. The 12, Dead Agent, um, ex-Singapore horse, had good form over there, hasn't really shown anything since returning to Oz, can't be with it. The 13, Pretty pretty Brazen. Now, it ran a new career uh, peak rating last start when winning in the Group 2 Let's Elope at Flemington. Had a really good run, enjoyed that cruising tempo. It was the last one off the bit in the turn. He was absolutely swinging on it, Luke Curry, um, or Lukey Nolan it could have been, I'm not sure, but uh, it was a really good win. On the quick backup, that's exciting. That's always a good sign, Six to 1,400 metres, and it's one for one at the track and trip, but I'm just not sure how well it's going to be suited by this really fast tempo. Can it reproduce the win of last weekend on a completely different race shape? Uh, I'm not sure. Down three, three and a half kegs in weight. And even though it is one from one at Caulfield, don't get me wrong, I just profile it more as a Flemington horse, that big kind of sweeping bend. Um, at this level, at least, I'm not sure if Caulfield's pretty brazens go. Um, but couldn't couldn't entirely talk you out of it uh, in general. The 14, Roe Heron, uh, Group 3 Show County winner last start at Randwick, being kept on the mark with a quite wild trial. I'm hearing whispers it will stay in Sydney. So uh, you can put a line through Roheron, I think, at this stage. 15, Tagaloa. This is my on-top selection, the the only three-year-old in the race. Um, And it's a bit of a throw at the stumps, but in this game, you've got to be throwing at the stumps sometime and hopes the ball hits. So second up here, comes off a strong effort last start uh, in the McNeil Stakes. That's group three level. Um, Up on, uh, it was 1,200 metres. It was up on speed. I tipped it that day and it was just nailed late. Fought back really hard through the line uh, and probably wasn't entitled to even stick on as well as it did. Ranting, who finished in behind them, has since come out really uh, and run really well in the Group 2 Danehill. So the form's stacking up well. It's the first time it's come out to 1,400 metres. So there's not a whole lot you can go on and say that you know the horse is going to get it. I don't. The the, the thing is, I don't know if it's going to get it. Um, but and, and it has to come here and not only get 1,400, but get it at the top level too. It's not like it's going to 1,400 metres for the first time in a benchmark 70 race where you wouldn't have much concern. So it only takes a slight falter and you're gone here, I think, at the top level coming to a new distance. The thing that stood out for me was its Group 1 win in the Blue Diamond, and which was its career high, highest rating win. Uh, that race 
profile and the way that race was run is very, very similar to how this race is going to be run. It was quick. It was genuine. They were, they were humming along in front at this track over the, over the 1200. And I, and he just absolutely relished it. He loved being up there on speed and, and traveling at that high cruising tempo and fighting it out through the line. I don't think a sit and sprint is his go. Um, so just with the race shape that we're going to get here and the way that he maps probably just in behind uh, these crazy leaders in front, I think he's going to relish this really strong tempo in front. He drops five and a half kilos coming into this race, obviously, because he's the three-year-old. He has an unbeaten second up record. That's really encouraging. Uh, and obviously the dry ground that he that he finds today uh, is suitable as well. So I thought uh, currently maybe around that $9 mark, Tagalow for me was a, a $6.50 chance. So uh, it's a throw at the stumps, as I said, but but definitely keen to have a, have a crack and see what Tagalow can do. It's an exciting one. I, l- I would love to see a three-year-old be able to knock off these horses. The last one in the field, Bankway, third up, out to 1,400 metres, was okay in the Bobby. Uh, was No, good. It was good in the Bobby Lewis last start. Fifth in a Group 1 new market. That reads well. Um, uh, I just think still needs to lift against this opposition here today. I'm, I'm not going to talk you out of it, really, but it's it's not in my top four. There is one emergency here, Harlech, if anything was to be scratched. Uh, it's a, it's an ex-New Zealand horse, first up in Australia. The jump outs have been outstanding, really, really good. Perfectly weighted with 54 kilos, placed at Group 1 level uh, at Trentham back in New Zealand. And if it makes the field, I think, honestly, genuine exotic chance. For sure. And I've got a big thing about ex-New Zealand horses racing first up in Australia. I, you'd have to do your own research on that one to see if it checks out. Um, but I really like ex-New Zealand horses first up in Australia. So that first emergency, if it does make the field, uh, has to be a good chance. But as I said, wide open, hard race. Got to do your research. Got to make your prices to be able to get a bet here. 15 Tagaloa to beat 1, 4 and 5. Looks absolutely outstanding, Group 1. <laughs> I always like, uh, especially down Melbourne, I think you see it a lot more in these big Group 1s, big fields, that three-wide trail. So it does give those horses such as Superstorm, Drawn 18, Madame Rouge, Drawn 20, um, your Age of Chivalries, your Rohirans, even though it might be in uh, Sydney, even your Tagalaya, Drawn 12, gives them an opportunity to sort of sit in that three-wide trail and uh, pounce late off this uh, hectic tempo that you have uh, suggested. That looks like a great, great race. I think out of the two, uh, it's very hard to split Sydney and Melbourne, which one is the better. But we'll move on to your rest of your bets in the Melbourne preview. Um, obviously, we mentioned Caulfield, good four currently, rail out three for the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes Day. Um, I'll get your first bet, but before then, um, I'll just get a quick comment on how do you think this track and rail position will play. Yeah, so rail out three, good four. I'm hoping uh, that it will play fair enough. Again, it just can be a bit of lottery with Caulfield. Some days it plays great. Uh, some days it plays really leaderish when that rail gets out a bit. I've worked off a fair surface. There's maybe between two and five mils of rain expected uh, before Saturday. I'm not sure if it comes or not, but if it does and just puts a bit of moisture back into that track, I think it'll let it play even more fair uh, than what a firm track would be. So, look, I've gone fair. Uh, but as always, you know, monitor the first early races and, and adjust accordingly. Perfect, perfect. Uh, we'll move on to your first bet of the day. Comes up nice and early. Race two, like to pounce nice and early. Um, 
1,200 metre race, benchmark 78, um, which way have you lent in that race? Yeah, look, said last week that I like to get the cash early and it didn't work, so I was going to swap to getting the cash late, but we'll have another crack. Race two, number five, ground swell. Just thought it was over the odds here. It's the lowest uh, grading race of the day. It's a benchmark 78, but uh, I think it's going to be a really good race over the 1,200 metres. Ground swell, group one place getter. Returns as a gelding here in, in low grade. It's been prepared for this race uh, with three jump outs. The latest was a really dominant win over 800 metres at Flemington, recorded the quickest time of the morning winning there. Uh, off these three jump outs, I think he's going to be really fit and really forward um, for this race. And I think that holds him in good stead with his opposition. The 1,200 metres, yes, I think definitely is at the bottom of his distance range. Um, but with, again, a lot of speed on paper here in race two, similar to that group one I just spoke about, uh, it's going to be a genuinely run 1,200 metres, which will help him, uh, obviously, as he's a horse looking for more distance. Uh, from barrier seven, think he can just sit in behind that strong tempo. If he's presented at the right time, I'm tipping he gets right in the finish. 750 or around abouts is currently what's on offer. That's a definite, definite each way uh, bet for me. To beat... Uh, the six Ancestry and seven Legionnaire, no knocks on them. Ancestry's first up off the one trial and he's going to have to ride this hot speed. So uh, that's going to be a big ask for it without the race fitness. And Legionnaire was really good uh, last start at Caulfield. Didn't get, uh, didn't lose far at all. Just didn't have it mapping very well from barrier eight. Could be three wide, no cover. But yeah, race two here. Happy to be with the five grand swell at some, at some overs, I thought. Always a big key, especially horses first up for mine. Off trials, off jump outs, gelded. I think it can turn a horse around for sure. So I really, really like that. Uh, that's a pretty big push for mine. Uh, we'll move on to your second bet of the day. Comes up in race four. Um, a horse that a lot of people probably know. Um, maybe one that could have been sent over to Hong Kong possibly as well, but uh, stuck to state, uh, stuck to Sydney or, uh, sorry, stuck to Australia. Um, Who's your bet in race four? Yeah, I've gone with uh, front page. I think you're right there. I think they did knock down some offers again here. I don't know what they're doing, but anyway, let's hope it pays out, uh, you know, works out for them, and and I think we'll get a good gauge here. So race four, number seven, front page. The current Kosciuszko favourite, uh, returning to the races here over the 1,100-metre journey. It's an open handicap. Uh, just a quick look at the speed. Front page and from within, probably go forward, dispatch, Crystal Dreamer sitting behind them. Uh, unrealistic. From barrier eight is your back marker. But front page, um, hasn't had any official trials or jump outs leading in here, but not uncommon for the camp. And I think we'd have to correctly assume that uh, Jeffy Dorea would have kept him ticking over really nicely uh, during the spell, just obviously with that big target in mind uh, coming up not too far in the future at all. So I think would have had to kept him ticking over really well. The win at the end of last prep in listed grade at Flemington over 1,200 metres I thought was outstanding. Completely took me by surprise. Didn't think this horse had it in him, but 100% did. The opposition on the day, yes, questionable, but you just had to believe, I think, what you saw uh, with your eye that day. The way he was able to quicken down the straight when asked by Lewis German showed to me that he's a really talented horse. It's no, uh, you know, I've got a big uh, affection for horses that are able to accelerate at the push of a button. I think that's the sign of a really smart horse, and I always like to put them in high stead, and that's exactly what Front Page did that day. I think 1,100 metres here will suit. 
maps really well up on speed from barrier four, has that option to sit outside the lead or maybe back in behind the leaders in the 1-1. Uh, and the weight as well is what got me, 54 kilos. It's nothing. That's two kilos below Octane, who's the second favourite, and it's five and a half kilos off the top weight dispatch who also has a claim. So 54 kegs for a horse of this quality is, is unbelievable. I think it's a great weight. I think this is his race. Uh, I'm tipping he, he not only wins here, punters, but if you want to get on for the Cozzy, I think he wins that as well. So happy to take any futures bets for him to win the Cozzy as well. Front page, really, really keen in race four. The others I'll quickly make mention of. Octane, obviously, second favourite, carries two kilos more, uh, was good winning, has had a short break in between runs. Uh, talented South Australian galloper, don't get me wrong. Just will spot front page a bit of a start and has to carry two kilos more. Crystal Dreamer I thought was over the odds. Um, I was a fan of its run last start. Although it finished 10th, I think it had to work way too hard up in front and was entitled to tyre, which it did. It's going to get an easier run up on the speed today and wouldn't surprise me if it bounced back. Uh, and William Thomas as well. Uh, first up here has been jumping out nicely. Uh, it's got a really good fresh record and a really good track and distance record. Actually beat uh, Crystal Dreamer last prep and won this race last year over Liar, which is a really strong form line. So I thought uh, Crystal Dreamer and William Thomas, if you were looking for some exotics, are over the odds. But really keen front page. Think it's an exciting horse. Think it's a smart horse. Uh, keen to see it win here and in the Cozzy. Yeah, currently $4.50 favourite in that Kosciuszko market. Um, I've got an opinion of a horse uh, that you mentioned, Octane, uh, four from four at the distance. Was the map and sort of the the lengths that it sits off uh, front page, was that your sort of uh, decisive factor? Yeah, look, no knock. I mean, the win last start at Flemington over 1,000 was really good. It's obviously a talented horse. It had been racing really strongly uh, in South Australia prior to that. The six weeks between runs... Uh, and then returns here up to 1,100 metres. So that was a little query for mine. It's got to find another 100 metres with a lack of a fitness edge. As you said, great record at the trip, though. So if it's fit enough, it'll get it. Just, yeah, the weight, two kilos off front page, got to make up some lengths. And I know it's not technically a spell, but it always runs or puts in a better performance second up rather than fresh. So... There was a few little knocks I I could get on it that just made me want to go with a front page more. Perfect, perfect. Um, We'll move on to your third and final bet. Uh, Comes up in race six over the 1,400 metres. Lead us off. Yeah, this is just a little quick one I I wanted to make mention of. I'm not going to go through everything here, but it's race uh, six, number 12, Hindam, who I thought was really over the odds. I've got it marked a $6.50 chance in this race, and uh, I'm assuming you'll tell me in a, in a second what price it is, but I know it's longer than that. It was a really dominant maiden winner uh, on the Pakenham Synthetic over 1,200 metres last start. Yes, I know uh, that's a maiden win at Pakenham Synthetic. It, it doesn't sound good um, when you say it, but if you go back and watch the win, it was super dominant. Uh, and its first up run last prep was really good as well. Just got a bit lost, and there was a bit of spruik on it when it came out on debut. Uh, its last 100 metres was really quick. It won by five lengths, eased down in really good time considering it was barely touched. Don't think he pulled the whip on it uh, at all. I mean, do all that, but don't think it did at all. Out to 1,400 metres I think is really suitable. Finds a really good spot from barrier seven 
over this 1,400-meter journey. It's key that you try and find cover over the 1,400 meters. The favorite, Aidensfield Barrier 11. I've got it mapped three wide. Not sure if it's going to get cover. Uh, or is Mozzie Monster the favorite? But regardless, it'll be back in the field as well. I know John Sadler's really keen on it, so that is a bit worrying. But, yeah, I just thought Hindarm. I know it comes off a packing sympathetic maiden win, but it looks smart, and I, I think that it will really, really uh, measure up to these. So at the current price, I've got it at 650. I wanted to be on it, just a little each-way play. Beautiful, beautiful. Hopefully uh, gets a cash around that $11 mark currently on play up, and I think we might even get better come race day, so definitely a nice each-way bet there. Um, we'll get you to run through your three bets at Caulfield for Sir Rupert Clark's Stakes Day. One more time for the listeners. That's it. So race two, number five, Groundswell. Race four, number seven, front page and in the cosy. Uh, and race six, number 12, each-way Hindarm. And then obviously my tip in the group one was... Tagaloa. Not sure if I'm going to make that an actual play just yet. I'll have to do a bit more research and see if I want to tip that out uh, properly. But if, if you're looking for my thoughts in that group one, that's it. Now, the get out stakes. Uh, Dino, you're back at the home turf. Randwick, talk us through it. Yeah, um, actually very confident in this tip. I might even put this out as a play. Um, I think there's huge hype on horses such as uh, Craters, Ice Bath, um, Air to Air. Uh, these, Archiana, even down the bottom, I think these are all horses that get back and run on. I've got the track playing a slightly on pace advantage there Saturday. Horse I want to make uh, mention on, and he's my get out stakes, is uh, Pel. Uh, Petronius, sorry, in the last. Um, the more stables absolutely flying at the moment. You look at this horse's record, uh, three starts for two wins over the trip. Um, always improves um, second up. Big, big tick for mine. Uh, gets a good track. And you go back a little at its last start. Uh, held on for a game third in that race where air to air comes through. Um, the first two horses in that race knocked up and finished uh, eased down last. This horse sort of sat just on that speed. Um, found a nice kick in the straight. Takes a little bit to get wound up. So I think the 1,400 metre suit's perfect. Um, main dangers are going to be, say, that three, four, five, six lengths off this horse. Um, Tim Clark in front, more stable, tick, tick. Um, $11 currently around that price. So I think that's a great way to end the day. So Ramwick, uh, race nine, number 14, uh, Petronius. Um, you're taking us over to the sunny Adelaide. Um, where's what's, what's our play in the last there? That's it, Adelaide, the city of churches, so they say. Uh, I've gone race nine, number five, Wings of Pastrami. Really consistent horse, 10 career starts, four wins and three placings. Rarely runs a bad race. Comes here first up. Uh, was good and moved down to Melbourne last prep, went on an Oaks path um, after running some okay races down in Melbourne. So I think a very talented horse. Uh, first up stats are good, hasn't missed a placing first up and likes running at this 1,100-metre journey. Although I do concede, obviously, it will be getting further this prep. I think if they go hard enough in front here uh, with the big field of 15, um, it would it should be rattling home here. I think wings of pastrami. Jessica Eaton takes a two kilo claim, riding in outstanding form down there uh, in the southern state. Brings it down to fifty eight kilos. That's good. Um, yeah, just I, I I've got a bit of a, a rap on this horse. Think think he's pretty talented, uh, and so I'm happy to be with the mayor wings of pastrami in the last. Now Group One Challenge, coming off our absolute 
blasting out last week where we went really well, made up for everything that we'd done previously. Now we're kings of the castle. Can we go back-to-back weeks? There's two chances for our Group 1 challenge this Saturday, so I've got to take on both states. Uh, Now walk us through both yours in Melbourne and Sydney. I'll start with Sydney um, in the George Main Stakes. Um, I'm happy to go $100, all the money uh, spent on Avilius to place, currently around that $2.30 quote. I think that's a great way to play uh, this group one. Can't see the horse missing a place in a small field. Uh, $2.30, cracking price. So I'm doing 100 to win on Avilius to place. Uh, Melbourne, quite the opposite. Absolute dart job like you've mentioned before. I've split my $100 into five increments of 20 um, so I'm going to have five $20 bets. Uh, all profit will be around that, say, $80 towards upwards of $200 profit. Um, $20 Cascadian, $20 Madame Rouge, $20 Superstorm, $20 Tagaloa, and $20 down on the horse with a quick backup, uh, Banquo. So that's the way I'll be playing it. $100 Vilius in the Sydney Group 1, Melbourne, 20 Cascadian, 20 Madame Roots, 20 Superstorm, 20 Tagalow, 20 Banquo. Um, how did you find each race, mate? What are your bets? Well, uh, we were together last week and now we've gone our separate ways again. So one of us is going to be a winner and one of us is going to be a loser here. Sydney, race six, number five, imaging, plonking the whole hundred dollars on it thanks to player. Uh, I was honoured, as you know, in that Group 1 and... Like a lot of my tips recently, I've only just gotten up off the floor. Don't know how it lost. Poor Cathy O'Hara just had nowhere to go from back there. But yes, do concede different race shape today. But as you said in your preview, can sit up on the speed. The last win it had was up in that position. So plonking the 100 on imaging. Melbourne, uh, race eight, number 15, Tagaloa, 40 each way. And then $10 a win, Superstorm, and $10 a win, Cascadian. So uh, can be profiting in profiting if any of those three uh, lob, probably apart from the Tagalower to place, that'll just get our money back for that bet and maybe back square to 100, hopefully. But, yeah, that's a dart job, as you said. Absolutely no idea. Don't know what they pay me for to uh, try and find a winner of these races. But there it is, another podcast done and dusted, some big Group 1 previews. Hopefully all the punters and the listeners get some really good info out of that uh, and we have a big weekend on the Rex Hunt. Mate, I'll, I'll speak to you. Uh, on Saturday, and I'll speak to all the listeners next week. Yeah, speak to you Saturday, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, and definitely stay put on socials. Uh, two big guests uh, will be coming on the program next week. But enjoy, punters. Good luck Saturday, and um, talk to you next week.